COVID's deadly toll. We had an additional 46 people who died from COVID-19. Infections continue to surge while church leaders push back against pandemic protocols. Fighting COVID misinformation. I cannot express you how terrifying it is. One patient struggled to recover and her motivation for coming forward now. And tackling rampant racism in healthcare. There is direct prejudice and racism touching all points of care and impacting Indigenous people in BC. How Indigenous patients are suffering and the apology from the province. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. It has been a heartbreaking weekend for many families in BC after a high number of COVID deaths. The pandemic claiming dozens of lives and we have set a new record for hospitalizations. We have 2,077 new cases from the past three days, but we also have 277 cases in Fraser Health from mid-November that are only now being counted. So that brings our overall total to 33,238. And this is shocking. We've had 46 deaths over the weekend. That means 441 people have now died in B.C. 316 people are in hospital, 75 of them in the ICU. Both those stats are new records. 23,111 people are considered recovered. And we are now left with 8,855 active cases and 10,139 people in self-isolation. Keith Baldry joins us now for some more context around these numbers. And Keith, there is a sharp difference between the numbers in October and the numbers in November. And thank goodness uh, November is now ending because, boy, oh boy, it's the worst month of the pandemic for B.C. The fall surge began in October, but it really accelerated in November. Take a look at the numbers in terms of the most important numbers. Cases, for example, up 18,700, 122% increase. 177 people died in November. That's a, an increase of 67%. More than 850 people were in hospital, an increase of a staggering 88%. I asked Dr. Bonnie Henry today, given the numbers, how confident is she that this just will not continue into December? She says she is optimistic, but certain things have to happen, and that means people changing their behavior. But I think the most important thing that I want right now that we need more of is people working together, understanding that we're in this together, that it is the road that we all have to go through, and that we can each make a difference in our own family, in our own neighborhood, in our own community, and that makes a difference for all of us. We do have light. We do have a way out of this pandemic. And we need now, more than ever, to focus on reducing our risk of transmission right now so that we can get to that point. Now, one bit of hope, and it's a small bit of hope from today's numbers, is the fact we came into the weekend averaging 800 cases a day, and that number had been steadily increasing. But over the weekend, our average plummeted down to 700 a day. It's not enough to take a good read on it yet. Bonnie Henry likes to see seven days' worth of cases. But at least it's an encouraging uh, end to what we saw as a surge last week, and hopefully that will continue as we go into December. Yeah, let's cross our fingers for that. Thanks, Keith. All right, despite that urgent appeal from Dr. Henry, a small number of B.C. churches are pushing back against the province's health order that temporarily bans religious gatherings. On Sunday, at least three lower mainland churches held services, arguing their right to worship 
supersedes Dr. Henry's health orders, and they're willing to face fines of up to $2,300 to make their point. Sarah McDonald reports. So good to join in with us here this morning as we worship the Lord. Under any other circumstances, this church service would be unremarkable. But these aren't typical times. We pray for Bonnie Henry and John Horgan, for Adrian Dix as they make these decisions. We pray, Lord, that you would lead them in wisdom and that, Lord, you would cause them to overturn these orders. We pray that more and more churches would take a stand. This turned out to be a costly sermon for Langley's Riverside Calvary Chapel, slapped with a $2,300 fine Sunday for defying provincial health orders, banning all in-person gatherings for worship. We want to be careful. We want people to recognize the risks, but we feel that church is essential. So do these congregants in Chilliwack, who exercise what they believe is a constitutional right to worship this weekend, as RCMP looked on, and at least one protester stood by with a sign that says it all. This is not fair. Is the reason is because if you kept the bars closed, oh, we might have a riot. Those people need their drink. Faith is not a building, that it's not about Sunday mornings, but it's about every day and how we connect with each other and how we support each other. It's not about rights. But some feel it is, and it raises a unique and unprecedented legal dilemma as Riverside Calvary lawyers up. Of course, our provincial health authorities have the ability to pass laws, and laws have the ability to infringe our charter rights because they are not absolute. So what happens next? Well, that seems unclear to everyone. The congregation now saddled with that four-figure ticket considering risking it all again next Sunday, along with dozens of other churches across the province. Some people that I know in our church, they need the in-person gathering. Even if it's at a distance, it's better than through a, through a screen. Potentially hundreds of the faithful planning to defy a new commandment they say doesn't apply under God. Sarah McDonald, Global News. A Surrey Elementary School reopened today after being shut down for two weeks by a COVID-19 outbreak. But not everyone is entirely comfortable with being back. Cambridge Elementary opened two hours later than usual this morning to give teachers extra time to adapt to new safety protocols. The school is implementing new measures such as staggered recess and is asking children to bring a full bottle of water with them. But a number of parents and teachers are still unhappy with some of the conditions, including 12 portables with no running water and one shared washroom. Parents we talked to today are sending back with mixed emotions. The majority of what we were told uh, as parents was for parents to do different things, kids to do different things. I haven't heard too much about what's been done in, in the school. How do you feel about your kids going back to school today? Great. Good? Good. Okay, and you? Yeah, great. Okay. <laughs> Mixed feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? I don't feel like anything has been... We'll wait and see if anything's been done inside the school. It's fine. My, my wife's a teacher here, so oh. yeah, we're pretty confident things should be pretty good. Okay, yeah. they really worked hard at it. I, I believe so, yeah. Newton Elementary in Surrey is also shut down because of an outbreak. It is set to reopen December 14th. A group of frustrated parents are planning to keep their kids home from school tomorrow to protest what they feel are inadequate COVID-19 safety protocols. The sick-out protest, as it's being called, is part of a demand to improve contact tracing in schools. Our Richard Zussman has reaction from BC's new education minister, who's speaking out for the first time since being appointed. It's a call-out to parents. If you're worried about whether your kids are safe at school, 
keep them home. We are asking everyone that is able to keep their child home from school to do so. We are doing this to bring attention to our schools and the safety measures that are not in place. These two Langley moms organizing a province-wide BC student sick out on Tuesday. The measures they're worried about include mandatory masks in classroom, smaller class sizes, and online learning for any student who wants it. I think the government is letting down our schools by not making them as safe as they could be. They deserve the same safety standards that every other employer in British Columbia is required by law. There's a lot of confusion about how much COVID has actually spread in BC schools. The health authorities list exposure events for all schools, but an online tracker run by two other moms has found notices for more than 1,000 exposures at 530 schools, way higher than the province's official numbers. There is a, a huge hole that needs to be fixed, and I don't know how they're going to fix it, but it, it needs, I mean, if two moms can track all the cases in all of BC, I'm sure they can sort it out. Dr. Bonnie Henry says transmission of the virus still low among students and the province is doing the best it can to communicate with parents when exposure events take place. There is a, a social media network where people exchange information that we may not be aware of. So that can be, um, be out there ahead of time. It can be out there before notifications are put out there. The province also has a new education minister, Jennifer Whiteside, thrust into a situation where anxieties are climbing for many parents and teachers. Our priority really is to ensure that um, that kids can that we can keep schools open, that kids can continue to learn safely um, in schools, and we're monitoring that situation. And while the province monitors, these moms hoping their concerns are something many parents echo Tuesday by keeping their kids home. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Another young woman is speaking out tonight with an important message. Being young and healthy does not protect you from COVID-19. 36-year-old Haley Callison was healthy, active, and very careful about who she spent time with and where she went. But she still contracted COVID-19, and after fighting through brutal sickness, she's still struggling to recover. Linda Ellsworth reports. Hello. Nothing like a little puppy love to distract from these anxiety-ridden times. I'm okay with cuddling. If anyone needs a break from the pandemic, it's Haley Collison. She's only just well enough now to foster these little guys after a three-week battle with COVID-19. I got the text on Friday morning and it just like, I cannot express you how terrifying it is terrifying because she knew that even a 36-year-old elite hockey player like herself could be hit hard and so she was. Originally I started getting body aches and pains. I felt really nauseous. I was vomiting. The first few nights were really terrible. I was sleeping with ice packs to try to control the temperature and the pain. During her convalescence, when Haley had the energy, she checked out social media, where all those posts by COVID deniers had suddenly become personal. Some people saying, you know, 99% of people are totally fine after or it only affects, you know, old people and um, I'm not super young, but I'm not super old either. And so the other day, Haley took to Facebook herself to share her story for a couple of reasons. When you're posting things saying it's not real or saying that, you know, most people are fine understand that some of the people reading that have lost loved ones. She also hopes to spare others the agony she endured and the fatigue she continues to struggle with. It's just feeling exhausted. I sleep like 12 to 15 hours a day and again if you know me that's not 
that is not how I roll. There's quite a few uh, people already in line for the these two. Fortunately, Haley has just enough energy and more than enough love to help out the animal rescue endless possibilities until she's ready to return to work. So I just ask, like, please just take it seriously. It's um, the alternative is not fun. So please be careful. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Exposing the source of money laundering through B.C. casinos. Explosive evidence from the Cullen Commission made public for the first time. Recordings made by key players who saw what was happening but couldn't get anyone in government to stop it. What the audio tapes reveal next on the News Hour. Farmers in India fight back against new government policies. Why the protests are being watched so closely here in BC. Coming up on the News Hour. And stocking stuffers for seniors. A great way to get into the spirit of giving. We'll show you how you can later. Right now, though, two more shocking examples of how Metro Vancouver gang members have no concern for public safety these days as they go about their violent business. A fatal shooting happened Sunday night right outside a busy shopping center, just one day after an innocent family's home was riddled with bullets in a case of mistaken identity. Grace Key reports. 29-year-old Riyad Rashid was shot multiple times in front of a shopper's drug mart in Surrey. Stray bullets ripped through the storefront window. Luckily, no one was hurt. It happened at 7.40 Sunday evening at 152nd and Fraser Highway. Police say Rashid is known to them. We believe this was a targeted uh, incident. And uh, we further believe that this has links to the ongoing lower mainland gang conflict. At 9 p.m., Richmond RCMP got a call of a car fire in the area of Camby and Number 7 Road. Police say the dark-colored sedan is the suspect vehicle involved in the Surrey shooting. We believe there's more than one shooter that was involved last night. Uh, this vehicle, this dark-colored sedan, it's the exact number of occupants that was inside the vehicle is in question right now. Rashid played for the Fijian Soccer League of Greater Vancouver since he was 16 years old. He was considered an elite player, and in 2016, he tried out for the Fijian national team. A family member was with him at the time of the shooting. Not only did a person lose their life last night in the shooting, but it also damaged people's feelings of security and, and safety within the neighborhood. So we are concerned we will continue our targeted enforcement against gang activity in Surrey. It's the second brazen shooting over the weekend. Abbotsford police believe drive-by shooters targeted the wrong home Saturday evening. Inside a family with a 4- and 11-year-old child were getting ready to watch a Christmas movie. A bullet went through the family's couch. No one was hurt. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team is asking for dash cam video from anyone who was near the Surrey shooting or car fire in Richmond. Grace Key, Global News. The release of secret recordings has provided more stunning information at the Cullen Commission on money laundering in B.C. As John Hua reports, conversations between the former commander of the Illegal Gambling Task Force and a former B.C. Solicitor General shine a harsh light on both the RCMP and government officials. I wanted to get this uh, conversation recorded, so I went to my home and, uh, and called him back. It would be the first of three secretly taped conversations Fred Pinnock had with former BC Solicitor General Cash Heed in 2018. You know how to record conversations and you know how to prompt people to divulge information? 
Well, I know how to record conversations. The former commander of BC's illegal gambling task force previously told the Cullen Commission he recorded his old friend in hopes of gathering evidence on how the province dealt with money laundering in casinos at the time. Now redacted transcripts of those conversations have been made public. I've done my best to tell the truth. On July 10th, 2018, Heed was taped criticizing senior RCMP and government officials. Heed, they're the most unethical group of people you can imagine, the transcript reads. And then Coleman. Coleman was all part of it. It's their network that caused this tsunami to take place in the casinos. Similar sentiments were shared between the two former police officers over lunch at this cactus club two months later. Pinnock, you know cash the organization's out of control. I, if the scope of whatever investigation or inquiry is expanded to include political interference in policing, there are so many examples. Heed, you know, given, you know my experience and even trying, them trying to politically influence me when I was there. It's incredible. Heed was also critical of the appointment of Peter German to author a report on money laundering in B.C. casinos. He told Pinnock how he warned now Attorney General David Eby, the former RCMP district commander, was in a possible conflict of interest. Heed, now you're bringing one of the decision makers back to review it? I said, how hypocritical is that, David? He later goes on to say, it's all smoke and mirrors. This whole report is just smoke and mirrors. You've got to consider the author of the report. Pinnock, mm-hmm. Heed. He's been smoke and mirrors his entire career, and it continues on with just smoke and mirrors. When debating the admissibility of this evidence, Coleman's counsel called the subject matter of the transcripts unfounded and inaccurate allegations. Counsel for the federal government called reference to the RCMP gossipy, name-calling, private conversation. John Hua, Global News. Up ahead, high wind does some serious damage. I had a hard top, but now i got a convertible. The crushing results of today's storm for one resident on the coast. And better get that package in the mail. Why the deadline for Christmas delivery is fast approaching. Good news here on Highway 1 in Burnaby. It looks to be final clearing stages of an earlier two-car crash westbound on Highway 1 just before Kensington. As you can see, still only the far right shoulder able to get by. Traffic is backed up almost to the Portman Bridge. Chromat Collision and Auto Glass have been family-run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermac. For location information, visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway 1 in Burnaby. Well, Cyber Monday is in full swing, and if you haven't started holiday shopping yet, you might want to get going ASAP. With a year filled with unknowns, one thing is clear. There's a surge in online shopping that's likely to cause shipping delays, and for some... Uh, pardon me. And so to avoid disappointment, let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrea. Anne. Thanks, Sophie. Well, Canada Post and other major couriers are telling Canadians to get going on their Christmas shopping list. To give you some perspective, just last week, Canada Post says it delivered just under 2 million parcels in a single day. Given that volume, it's safe to say it's going to be a busy holiday shipping season. Shop early, shop now. That's the advice from major delivery services like FedEx when it comes to ensuring your package arrives on time for the holidays. There is going to be a considerable surge in demand for services in the shipping industry right around the world. And in some cases, there's a worry that that demand might um, be greater than the capacity. 
According to a recent FedEx survey of 1,500 Canadian online shoppers, 8 in 10 Canadians say they plan to shop online this holiday season, and 6 in 10 say it's important to do all their Christmas shopping online to avoid being around too many people. One of the biggest things that we have done to prepare for this is in terms of the size of our company. To deal with the massive surge of packages, FedEx says it's strengthening its network, even opening a small package sorting facility in the Toronto area just for online packages. It just allows us to process more packages more quickly, have them delivered across Canada um, much faster. Canada Post is also ramping up operations, adding 4,000 employees, an extra 1,000 vehicles and extending hours at its post offices. The reality is Canadians uh, became comfortable shopping online uh, throughout COVID-19. They uh, uh, became, uh, it became a habit and uh, now we expect that that to continue uh, as we go into the holiday season. Unfortunately, those so-called porch pirates have become comfortable too. FedEx reporting that one in three online shoppers say they have experienced package theft up from one in four in 2019. So what we have done for measures is that we empowered package recipients to take control of their deliveries. And that's done through the tracking number, it's done on our website, or it's done through our apps. Canada Post suggests tracking your item and signing up for its free flex delivery service if you know you won't be home. You can have that item delivered to any post office of your choice, one that's nearby or one that's uh, near where you do your shopping. And as for shipping deadlines, Canada Post says it has options right up to December 21st. Thursday is the day before Christmas. That's the last delivery day. Those are a little more expensive. So if you want to save some money, um, get it in the week before or, or the second week of December. That'll give you some flexibility, help you save some time. And if by chance your package never arrives, Canada Post says to contact its customer service department and to reach out to the retailer as well. Also, if you live in a condo, make sure you put your unit down along with your shipping address, which will help with tracking the package should it go missing. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters@globalnews.ca. All right, thanks very much, Anne. An annual campaign that delivers holiday cheer to isolated or low-income seniors is going on despite the pandemic, and you can help make a difference if you'd like to get involved. The London Drugs Stocking Stuffer Program connects long-term care residents with Christmas elves out in the community. Customers can pick up a personalized stocking stuffer tag at one of the locations, purchase the gift at the store or elsewhere, and bring it back to the same store. Staff will then wrap the gift, and after a 72-hour period of isolation and sanitation, deliver it to the seniors. It's actually humbling when you see their wish list because quite often it's gloves, it's socks, it is the essential items. A lot of times that's why customers go above and beyond and, and they think, you know, those are essential items, let's put in some chocolates, let's put in a, a book or a board game. Since it started back in 2015, the program has delivered more than 40,000 gifts to seniors in need across Western Canada. And if you're looking for some last-minute Christmas gift ideas, this week is a great opportunity. The annual BC Buy Local Week kicks off today and runs through December 6th. It's always a great chance to help boost small businesses across BC, but this year it takes on even more importance as many try to stay afloat during the pandemic. And there's added value for the community. A survey found 63 cents of every dollar spent at a local retailer stays in the community compared to 14 cents for big box stores and chains. 
A powerful fall weather system made for a very blustery day in some parts of southwest B.C. today. This was the scene earlier in the Qualicum Beach area on Vancouver Island. Wind gusts of up to 70 kilometers an hour brought down branches and uprooted trees, including this one, which crushed a car. More than 10,000 B.C. Hydro customers on the island lost their power, along with about 6,000 others on the Sunshine Coast and in pockets of Metro Vancouver. Hydro says its crews are racing to restore the electricity. In Metro Vancouver, the wind blew away this morning's rain clouds, making for some sunny but cool and breezy conditions. Woke up about 6.30 and everything was pretty calm at Qualcomm Beach. And then at 7.20, I went on the deck where I'm staying up there. It was miniature hurricane. And then five minutes later, I had a hard top, but now I got a convertible. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with more on today's damaging winds. I feel for that guy. That was a beautiful car that got crushed, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, that's tough luck, that's for sure. Still 1,800 people without power across Vancouver Island, Chris, uh, in Victoria and Langford. Gibson's also about 800 people because of a down uh, power line there. Here's a quick look at some of the peak wind gusts. These are incredible numbers, 174 kilometers an hour on the west coast of Vancouver Island, just north of Vic- uh, Tofino. That's like a Category 2 hurricane uh, near Lasquetti, 132. Victoria Gonzalez, which is on the outer coast, of Victoria, not the harbor, on the outer coast at 102. And that broke a record today. In fact, it blew past it by more than uh, 10 kilometers an hour. Uh, Saturna Island also very strong at 89. And look at Metro Vancouver, 72. Uh, As we head into the next couple of days, it's not the winds we're talking about. It's the sunshine. And I'm going to show you why it's expected to last so long. Look forward to that. Thanks, Christy. Absolutely. All right. Up ahead, a full apology from the province. Racism is toxic for people, and it's toxic for care. A bombshell report exposes racism against First Nations patients and practitioners in B.C. healthcare. Also, why B.C. farmers are watching the protests happening half a world away in parts of India. Cancer is relentless, but for every patient, every chemo appointment, every radiation treatment, BC Cancer is there to change the outcome. With your help, BC Cancer won't stop until it's done. Donate today at bccancerfoundation.com. Emergency crews are on scene to a crash here in New Westminster and westbound traffic is blocked on Brunette at Columbia. If you're just leaving now, use Columbia as an alternate route. For 47 years, Kermat Collision and Autoglass has provided unmatched superior customer service and satisfaction. With 18 lower mainland locations, there's a Kermac in your neighborhood. Visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, hype of a crash in New Westminster. Hundreds of thousands of farmers in India are marching to protest against agriculture laws they say will destroy their livelihoods. And here in B.C., the South Asian community has been deeply impacted. As Ted Trenecki reports, one local aid agency is on the ground in India trying to help. There are protests, and then there are protests in India where not a few hundred are marching to Delhi. Several hundred thousand people either in Delhi or on the border of Delhi um, protesting peacefully. By some estimates, there are 300,000 of them. 
Kalsa Aid Canada has a team on the ground providing food, clean water and sanitation. As farmers, mostly from the Punjab, vow to set up camp on the outskirts of Delhi for months if necessary. They were met with water cannons, tear gas, police barricades. Roads were even torn up to stop the convoy. Farmers are angry with new agricultural laws that deregulate crop pricing that they believe leaves them at the mercy of big corporations. It's an international story and one that certainly resonates in BC. We are very far away from India, uh, but the connections are very close uh, with the families uh, being uh, affected by this and uh, people talking about it. I think it has created a lot of awareness. For some, the issue is more fundamental. Everyone should have the right to protest peacefully, regardless of the issue. Canada has a long standing history to protect human rights across the globe. And we have a strong leadership on that particular issue. And, and, and that is why it concerns me uh, that those uh, human rights are, are violated. When Indo-Canadians see these images, many of them can see grandparents, brothers and sisters, nephews and nieces. All we want to see is make sure that there is a peaceful demonstration that's respected and all that excessive force that was used is not used and human rights are, are protected. Global News. An independent investigation has concluded there is widespread anti-indigenous discrimination, racism and stereotyping in the province's health care system. Lead investigator Mary Ellen Terpel Lafon says there are deadly consequences and she's making two dozen recommendations to improve the system. Kylie Stanton reports. I want to make an unequivocal apology as the Minister of Health. It's the, the only way to begin. After a month-long investigation found widespread racism towards Indigenous people in BC's health care system. Racism is toxic for people and it's toxic for care. The investigation was brought forward this past summer. After allegations, nurses and doctors were guessing the blood alcohol levels of Indigenous patients. While those claims were found to be unsubstantiated, the review revealed evidence of a much more widespread and insidious problem. We found pervasive interpersonal systemic racism that adversely, adversely affects not just patient and family experiences, but also long-term health outcomes for Indigenous people in B.C. Trapel Lafond collected and assessed the experiences of Indigenous, Métis and Inuit people when they accessed health care and found hundreds of examples of prejudice and racism. People saying, I would rather die and not get the needed health care treatment than go back into that system and get it. 84% of Indigenous respondents reported some form of discrimination in health care. 52% of Indigenous health care workers reported experiencing racial prejudice at work. More than one-third of non-Indigenous health care workers personally witnessed racism or discrimination directed at Indigenous patients and likely most revealing 13% or 531 respondents made racist comments in their survey responses. And that was a concern to me, and that tells me that we need more work to be done. It starts with 24 recommendations being put forward to government, including improving accountability, legislative changes, and an improved complaint process. Advocates say there is no time to waste. There is a lot of work ahead of us, and we need to be moving immediately, not waiting for uh, the report to gather any uh, dust on a shelf. The plan is to begin implementing some recommendations as soon as possible. Others will take time, but this is considered a start. I know it is deeply rooted, but we have to begin somewhere. And today is the beginning. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
Still to come, a red-hot real estate market where you might not expect it. Middle of April and my phone started to ring and it has not quit. It's unbelievable. How demand for recreational properties is skyrocketing. And later in sports, the man on the mic for the Tyson fight. The BC boy who shared the spotlight with the heavyweights. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, it was quite a day today, weather wise. Blustery and. Uh, I like the hint about some sunshine coming up that Christy mm -hmm. gave us a little earlier. What have you got? We've got a terrific stretch of weather. You saw the clearing today. Well, that's here to stay for the next several days, and I'll show you why. It is going to be cold, though. We'll show you the temperatures through the overnight first. So here's a quick look at that clearing. You can see on the right-hand side of this image a rainbow where the dark clouds are. Kiki and Catherine sending us that one. But, yes, quite a clearing. And in behind that, those strong west winds uh, pushing up into Stanley Park and also bringing down trees, this one from Commercial Drive. So, yes, we dealt with quite a windy one today. Now all the systems are going to be driven well north of us. So that's one of the reasons why we're going to see this long stretch of weather. It's at what we call an upper level ridge where the jet stream goes up and over us and helps to protect us. Now it is going to weaken at times, likely Thursday and Friday. So we may see more cloud cover those days. But overall, we're expecting dry conditions right through until Tuesday. But cold, yes, as soon as we get the clear skies, temperatures drop at night. So these are the feels like across the region. Don't be surprised if you see a bit of frost or even fog through the morning hours tomorrow. But it's really only the north coast that is going to get wet. Tomorrow, lots of sunshine right across the region. And you'll note, though, not very warm. One degree in areas like Kelowna and Kamloops. Eight for us here in Metro Vancouver. Again, we will see some fog through the morning hours and watch for slippery conditions. But that's the stretch of dry weather that's on the way. And I'll tell you, we deserve it because it's been about three weeks of wet weather. So the first week of December, certainly not looking like a La Nina year a little bit more like El Nino, but we'll take it. And uh, this is your central windows weather window from Victoria. Arlene sending us that with the incredible winds uh, pushing the waves up onto the shore there. Wow, action shot. Where's Kylie? Is she stuck yeah. in there somewhere? She's in there. She She's getting before. wet right now. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Christy. All right. I just, sorry, Squire, I was about to sneeze. And then... No, go ahead. No, it's gone now. It's gone. You the sure? moment's passed. You want me to bring you a tissue? There's some over here. Oh, I'll okay, be fine. Good. Okay, I'm glad. It's nothing to be alarmed about. Allergies. It's not COVID. It's not COVID. No. Okay. Thankfully, we're distanced. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Moro Ronaldo, Abbotsford guy, once worked in this very room on All Star Wrestling. One of the great announcers in the world for fighting and all combat sports. He was the man calling the Tyson and Jones fight on Saturday. We didn't call it the Battle of the Ages. We called it the Battle of the Age during the play-by-play. -play. <laughs> That's what it was. It ended in a draw, but we'll hear Morrow's thoughts on what he saw close up and personal. Look forward to that. Also tonight, get me out of here must be what a lot of people are saying. We'll show you what's driving the spike in sales for recreation properties in B.C.
Mm -hmm. right. Squire is here now. Yes. What's happening? Well, um, the Vancouver Whitecaps 2021 roster will look a lot like it did in 2020. They will add a few players in the winter, of course, but not that many, despite missing the playoffs three years in a row. Today, they picked up the options on seven of their younger players, guys like Theo Bear and Michael Baldissimo and Jake Nowinski. They want to build this team up with young players, and 14 of the 25 players under contract right now, I believe, are 23 or under. They also, of course do that to keep the salary budget down. But they say a young foundation is key to future success. It's part of our DNA and, and that's what we want to be as a club. And we spoke about that very openly also in the past that we want to be a developing club, that we want to develop players, that we want to also to give uh, Canadian talent a, a fair chance. And, and we, we want to be a club. And we have been the club that played more Canadian minutes than every other club in the league. Well, that's great for Canadian soccer, but they have to have some veterans to help out the kids. And that's why they are still talking contract with veteran midfielder Andy Rose and striker Freddie Montero, who worked his way back into their good books late in the season. But they don't want to pay him the $968,000 salary they paid him this year. I can tell you that uh, our first idea of a new contract was not exactly the idea uh, Freddie and his agent had. Uh, just this morning, uh, he, his agent and me, we, we had a very good chat and uh, we are still working on the same. So that's, that's the most important thing and the same, but maybe with different numbers. All right, Chris Carson back from injury. Seahawks are happy about that. They struggled a bit in the first quarter. Then in the second quarter against the Eagles, DK Metcalf takes it down to the one-yard line. From there, it's Wilson and David Moore hooking up. Which means a very excited 69-year-old Pete Carroll. Whatever that guy's got, go and bottle it. Chris Carson doing his inner Marshawn Lynch here. Just dragging Eagles across the goal line late in the second quarter. 14-0 for the Seahawks over the Eagles. Well, the uh, Ravens-Steelers were supposed to play last Thursday night. But then a COVID outbreak in Baltimore made them move it to Sunday. Then it was moved until Tuesday. Now it's going to be Wednesday. That'll give the Ravens more practice time, but it was also because NBC wants to show the lighting of the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree in New York City on Tuesday night, which you would think would be a short show. I mean, just plug in the lights, look at the tree for a second, and then move on to football. But whatever the case, game time is now Wednesday at 12.40 our time. Well, when Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. fought for the middle-aged man heavyweight title on Saturday night, which ended in a draw, the soundtrack was provided by another legend of the fight game, Abbotsford's Moral Ranallo, who has called it all from wrestling to mixed martial arts to some of the biggest boxing matches this decade. I'm Mike Tyson. The classic, no socks, black trunks, towel. It's fitting that one of the most talked about and hyped fights in recent memory featuring living legends Roy Jones Jr. and Iron Mike Tyson had Moro Ronaldo's voice attached to it. Looking to reclaim just a tiny, tiny piece of redemption. In terms of the experience overall, one of the highlights, I would put Saturday on my Mount Rushmore 
it was an exhibition, not a real fight, but I was ringside for Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Just like those who watched this exhibition match unfold, Ranola was impressed at how good 54-year-old Mike Tyson looked. For an Abbotsford-born and BC-raised fight fan, it was the experience of a lifetime. One that wasn't initially on Morrow's work schedule, though. One of the uh, shortest notice uh, assignments I've been given. I wasn't supposed to do Saturday night. Al Bernstein, my Hall of Fame broadcast partner for Showtime, was was going to do it originally. But, and unfortunately, he got sick and called me. And he said, Morrow, I'm going to provide your name to the promoters and... A couple of days later, we made the deal. Coming up on the midpoint of round five. When it comes to combat sports and the mega fights, Moro is always in on the deal. Anthony Joshua, Vladimir Klitschko, uh, sold out Wembley Stadium. Incredible fight. And Floyd Mayweather landing the right hands now at will and tags McGregor again. Mayweather, McGregor, obviously, in terms of entertainment and in in terms of the pop culture, the crossover. This is must-see TV. Listen to the sold-out crowd. Fedor Emelianenko versus Mirko Krokop and what it meant in the heavyweight division and, and being in pride fighting championships in Japan, larger-than-life atmosphere. Mike Tyson with a cavalcade of first-round knockouts. Saturday's Mike Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fight is another peak atop Morrow's broadcasting Mount Rushmore. And not just because of the action he was describing in the ring, but also who he shared the mic with. all over Roy Jones Jr. Snoop. This is like two of my uncles fighting at the barbecue. Get, get your uncle out of there. Get him out. You, you go meet me in the backyard. To work with a guy who's on my bucket list and my Mount Rushmore of rappers and personalities, Snoop Dogg. Uh, pinch me, Jay. Pinch me. That is a great line. It looks like two uncles fighting at a barbecue. I love that. You think he just has like a, like a, a list of them that he just draws from? Snoop. <laughs> Snoop. Snoop's got all the lines. It's a bottomless well. Mm. All Thanks right. very much. Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. J.D.? Thank you, Sophie. Tonight, solving an 11-year-old cold case. DNA profiling in Washington State has allowed officials to identify human remains as those of a penticted man who's been missing for more than a decade. How they're able to use new techniques to help give a B.C. family some closure. Plus, we'll preview Giving Tuesday and find out why donating to charities like the CKNW Kids Fund is more important than ever this holiday season. That is tonight at 11. Sounds good. Thanks, Jay. All right, when we come back, the uh, desire to get out of town that's fueling a boom in recreational real estate. That's next. Who's thinking about going skiing this weekend, right? It's an unexpected side effect of the pandemic and how it's changed working life. A big increase in the sale of recreational properties. The move comes as many people are deciding to take advantage of their newfound freedom to work remotely. Aaron MacArthur reports. Whether it's Kelowna or Whistler, recreational property is a hot commodity. According to Royal LePage, the sector is up 
province-wide. A lot of pent-up demand over the last several years. Um, people thinking the real estate market was going to crash and burn and, you know, we're going to wait and wait and wait and wait. Well, I think COVID was the final answer to say, okay, I'm jumping in now. A big reason for the bump in recreational sales is due to people's work lives. With no need to be in the office, people are realizing they can work from anywhere. On the Sunshine Coast, the trend has been noticeable for months. It's been exactly the opposite of what we thought was going to happen with COVID. Uh, it seems everybody and their dog wants out of town and up in an area where it's a little safer, it's more relaxed, and you can get way more for your money. According to Royal LePage, the average price of a single detached home is up 12.9% sitting at almost $800,000. The condo market is less noticeable, but it's up too, a 3.8% increase in value. In the Whistler region, sales are up nearly 40%. Nothing happened till about middle of April, and my phone started to ring, and it has not quit. It's unbelievable. There are no signs of the market slowing down anytime soon. Pent-up demand and a lack of supply expected to create a seller's market everywhere across the province well into 2021. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Oh, to get out of town. Wouldn't it be something? One I don't day. need to own it. I just want to go there. Yeah, one day. One day. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> it's not for now. Or it's not forever. It's just, it's just for, for now, now, as Dr. Bonnie Henry says. I know now a long trip is walking to the That's corner right. of your street. Yeah. Basically, that's it. And you got to wear a face mask that's while you're at it. That's how I feel these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. All right, final word on weather, Christy. We'll see yeah. some sunshine finally. Yeah, so a big turnaround. It's been three weeks of wet weather, so we really need this week of sunshine. So enjoy it, everyone. We will see some cloud cover at times and be wary of a bit of frost tomorrow morning. All right. Thanks very much, and uh, thank you for watching, everyone. Have a great night. Don't forget to tune in to... CKNW Pledge Day. Tomorrow we'll raise some money for the CKNW Kids Fund. Have a good night, all.